to the bonus content episode of Real Unreal, where you get real talk on all the reels. I am Rahima, and I'm once again talking about what I watched over the weekend on HBO Max. Because who doesn't love HBO Max? So I was in kind of a documentary kind of mood um, over the weekend. Not sure why, but I just I felt like being informed. Maybe I was feeling dumb. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I felt like being informed about someone else's craft. Um, as many people know and as listeners of uh, this bonus show and of my regular podcast know I'm a writer. I'm a playwright and I'm a screenwriter and I'm a filmmaker and, um, you know, those are, uh, hard creative spaces to work in and exist in. And sometimes I like to just hear about someone else's struggle, like someone super famous, someone who I feel like, oh, they made it and they, they were living the life. They were living the dream. Um, what kind of things did they go up against? You know, it kind of just makes me feel a little better when I hit, um, my own roadblocks and hardships. And so, um, I turn to documentaries sometimes on, on these people who, um, whose work I respect or who I think have sort of creative created a lane um, that I, I can see myself in. Um, so I watched two documentaries that are currently available on HBO Max. One is called uh, Becoming Mike Nichols. Um, Mike Nichols is a director. He started, I, I learned that he started out doing like improv acting in Chicago and like went on to have this whole career as this like comedic, um, improv actor. He was in a duo. Um, and that was that I did not know that. I only know of Mike Nichols, the director, you know, he was married to Diane Sawyer, um, before he passed. And so it was all about, it, it was like a sit down interview thing. And then they would like reflect on his career and show footage, um, of different things. And so he, he started out on the stage, um, directing plays, um, directing Broadway plays and, um, quickly, quickly made a name for himself and that transitioned into directing films. And, um, he directed Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and they, they really dug into that, uh, a lot and how that all came to be. Um, he's directed a variety of movies. One of my faves, well, two, I love Working Girl, which is great. And, uh, because I just feel like it was such a, um, it was such a feminist anthem 
before people were really like making these big strong feminist movies well not before because I guess there was like Norma Ray. I don't know I just know for me at a time when I was working in corporate America I used to watch Working Girl a lot it was like super important um I just turned my mic around. Um, it was super important. It was like a, a, it was just like a really important movie for me. Um, because I was existing in a space where I hated my job or felt undervalued or felt like people didn't listen to me or people didn't know how smart I was. And it was just like, the circumstances of my life sort of um, made this decision for like the the outlook of my career, and I just always felt like fuck, like this isn't fair. Like I I know how smart I am. I know what I'm able to do. I don't. Why do I keep being overlooked? And Working Girl is just so great because she she sees that. And sees that she's being overlooked and undervalued and people just don't think much of her because of where she's from or her, you know, lack of, you know, she's, she got her degree, but she didn't like go to like an Ivy League school or something like that. And she, you know, and, uh, she proves everybody wrong. And so that movie is great. And he directed Closer. I don't know how many people have seen Closer. It was a stage play first. Um, I'm not sure if he directed the, the play, but maybe he did. And that's why he transitioned to the movie. But Closer is with Julia Roberts and Clive Owen and Natalie Portman and Jude Law. And it's about these two couples who sort of like intertwine and mix and stuff. And it is uh, tragic and it is, um, it is super dramatic and it is, uh, what I loved about Closer is that we... We never see the characters, we don't see their beginnings. And that's something that I am particularly focused on in my own writing. It's like the beginning of people's story is sometimes super boring. And even the end sometimes is super boring. Like going on a whole journey with a character or a couple or something like that can be super boring. Like, okay, you meet and y'all make out and have sex a lot and you move in together and it's all great. Great. (laughs) But this is a story. This is a movie. And so like meeting people in the middle is where the conflict is, right? And all drama is conflict. And Closer does an amazing job with that. Like it, um, it meets these people 
in the middle. They've been together for some time and uh, stuff is not as rosy and wonderful as it was in the beginning. Now we do go back and see like how they met or how they got together. We do go back and see that. Um, and the movie jumps back and forth through different times, like at different points in their relationships. Um, but just like the acting is so stellar. Um, there's this God awful, sad ass Damien Rice song that, um, plays throughout and, when I went to the movies, I was like, oh my God, I love this song so much. So I went and found it and just like bought the whole album that that song is on. And, um, yeah, Closer was a really great Mike Nichols movie. And one of the gems that I wrote down from him, he said, uh, there, I don't know if this is something that he came up with or what i don't know it might just be this might just be like story story structure 101 in general but i'm i'm gonna say mike nichols said it he said there are only three kinds of scenes negotiations seductions and fights and i was like yeah wow that's great that's perfect that really can can frame uh, a scene for any writer, you know? Are the people uh, negotiating? Is someone trying to seduce the other person? And seduce doesn't always have to be sexual. It could be just like a, a really overt amount of persuasion, you know? Um, or are these people in a fight? Is someone trying to get something that the other person is saying that they you can't have? Um, yeah, that was amazing. So check that documentary out. It's currently on HBO, Becoming Mike Nichols, and he's really funny too. I thought that was that was cool. He's he's really really funny. Um, the other documentary I watched was called Arthur Miller Writer which we find out it's Arthur Miller colon writer because writer is what he told Charlie Rose he wanted on his tombstone. Like that should be the only thing on his tomb. You know, if he could, if he could have anything on his tombstone, he would just want it to say writer. Um, and he had a really interesting story, really interesting upbringing that his family was like so well off at first living in Manhattan um his his father had a booming business um in like the textile industry and then that big like 1920 1930 stock market crash happened and it just like completely changed their life and uh their 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 money, their well-being, their status, all of that. And he worked and uh, f 
saved up some money to be able to go to college and went to the University of Michigan and uh, worked on his writing and specifically chose to write plays. Um, First play didn't do so well. That made me feel like, oh, great. Okay. (laughs) First time out the gate, you might get a bad review. Okay. And then came Streetcar, Streetcar Named Desire. Um, And he just exploded. He just exploded. And he was, he was Arthur Miller. Um, And several plays later that just did so well. His, they, they focused on his marriage to Marilyn Monroe for a little bit. Um, And uh, just like the sort of like tragedy around that, just how much of a, just how much of a tragic person she was an amazing person, a smart person, a talented person, but just kind of like couldn't get out of her own way, unfortunately. And, uh, then they, they, they really, uh, focused on not, I don't want to call it a downfall because he was still writing stuff that he enjoyed and that he thought he was, he was putting out good stuff, but just like the critics got super, super harsh and, and, you know, after his major high, he started to have major, major lows and the movies just and the, the, I'm sorry, the plays just were not doing well. He was getting terrible reviews. Um, and that was kind of sad to see. Like, gosh, like what, uh, you know, you, you have to wonder, like, what do these critics want? Like, what do they want? What do they want to see? What do they think is good? Um, he was good at one point. <laughs> he didn't all of a sudden, like, stop knowing how to write so what is it what is the I I often ask myself that like what it like when I don't get into a contest or when I don't place in a contest or something like that or I submit to something and I get a rejection I'm like what is it that these people want um because some stuff that I write, it does get accepted, or it gets into this festival, or that festival, or or it gets a reading, or a workshop, or whatever. So it's like you have these successes where it's this validation of like, okay, yes, I am good. I am, I do know what I'm doing. I did work hard at this for a reason. Um, but then the rejections are just like, what is it? What do I need? You know? Um, yeah. So that was interesting. I check that out. Anyone who's a writer and maybe interested in just like seeing someone else's journey. That was a really interesting, uh, documentary, Arthur Miller writer. Um, and last, but certainly, certainly not least, um, I watched uh, a bunch of episodes of In Treatment that, like, the rest that are inv- available, like, all the week three episodes, um, Eladio, uh, um, Layla, 
Colin Brooke. Um, Layla, she's a saucy little thing. And, um, I don't know what she wants. I know that, like, her grandmother is making her go to therapy because she, uh, the grandmother feels some kind of way about the little girl's sexuality. Um, but Layla fights with Brooke so much that I'm just like, who exactly is the enemy? Like, I, I, she needs to ask herself that. Who is the enemy? Because it's not Brooke. Maybe it's your grandma. Maybe it's your dad. Or maybe it's you. You know? Um, and the other episode that stuck out to me in that week three series of, was, of course, Colin. Who just... Ooh, He's so problematic, um, which makes him such a good character um, because you just don't like him. And he he wants Brooke to like him so bad. And they had that discussion. He's like, why don't you like me? And she's like, I didn't say I didn't like you. I just... So they came to this agreement that, like, she will work to try to like him. And I'm just like, oh, my fucking God. Um, he just... You know, he started out the episode annoying where he wanted to sit back in her chair because it's just so comfortable if he didn't mind. It, it, he's he's asking her if she didn't mind him sitting there. And she's like, yeah, I do. Like, ugh, he just, oh, my God, he just rubs me all the wrong way in all the wrong places. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, he's so annoying. And I don't know what his outcome is going to be because he's so angry. You don't know if he's lying or telling the truth. Um, you don't know if he's like genuinely sincere or he's just trying to like get this thing done so that he can... Um, you know, not go back to prison. You just don't know. Um, but that's what makes, uh, yeah, that's what makes it such a good him such a good character. And um, I would say that the writers are doing a great job of um, keeping the dialogue so fresh and interesting, uh, keeping you engaged because it's just these two people on the screen for a full half hour so they're doing a really good job um and that's all i got for this episode of real unreal hbo max bonus content um be sure to subscribe on substack uh we are real on real pod welcome back to the bonus content episode of real unreal where you get real talk on all the reels I am Rahima, and I'm once again talking about what I watched over the weekend on HBO Max. 